Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Ball to Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He sets the chance to get through. Bontempelli! Simply the bots! Gives it to Gord. Friday night footy from the SCG. It is a perfectly balanced encounter. Both teams six and four. The Swans, after a bright start, have been revealed to have the odd frailty. The Tigers, after a slow start, have tuned up against the less equipped. So the matchup is perfect as they come together at the start of round 11. The Sydney Swans and Richmond from the SCG on AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Jared Waitley with you. Anthony Hudson's with me. Hello, hello. Evening to you, Jared, and good everyone on this Friday night. It's a bit like our old segment on 360, Jared. Who would you rather yeah. be? Sydney Swans, young team. We're a bit of a mystery about where they actually are this year. Or the old team just trying to rejuvenate a little bit and give it one or two more cracks. And the Tigers, as you said, have won the last four. Both coaches this week talked about how many quarters won. And <laughs> you always know when they start bringing in those stats like that it, as to what they've got various agendas. But they, they make good points when you look at what Richmond have done this year. And they really have um, been heavily, uh, had heavily defeated in, in three quarters during the year. And, and the Swans recently, likewise, as, as we witnessed firsthand last Friday night with that second quarter um, uh, avalanche by Carlton. And Sydney really were in a position to win and how different everything would be if they'd gone on to do that. But they didn't and they find themselves on what should be a cracking Friday night. And it's a mongrel game, which has got a great tradition as well up there. So can't wait to see what both sides deliver. Our old bull is back, Jared Healy. It's great to see you. Great to be back in the studio. Well, I'd probably still prefer to be over in Java, to be honest. <laughs> if I want to be really honest. But uh, look, what a game to come back to. This is an absolute beauty. It's hard to know where the Swans are at. We, I think we know where Richmond are at. They're uh, certainly on the charge. The Swans are a little bit erratic for mine, but uh, their upside is is really good. And right now they're, they're sort of playing the same way that they were when they're playing well. They just can't quite get on the scoreboard at the end of it. And in some respects, Buddy still appears to me to be part of the problem. Buddy attracts so many defenders that he creates almost a congested forward line. And I can now see much more clearly 
why Clarko pushed him out onto the half-forward flank all those years ago. And I suspect they'll be a better side if they do that with him as well. They've got a young kid uh, who's been t- spoken about a fair bit this week in Logan Campbell. He could start out of the goal square. Logan McDonald. Sorry, Logan McDonald. And uh, Buddy could just push up to a wing or a half-forward flank or come off the bench or just do a few other things. But, uh, look, Tigers are flying. Swans are going pretty well. It's going to be a beauty. In the new ball category tonight, Nick Del Santo. Not the newest of balls, no, not the but newest, nice newest. to see Well, compared to Jira, I guess I am new, and I'm a little bit younger. So I'll take that absolutely. Not taking it away from the old ball, because he was one of the originals. But, yeah, really excited for tonight's game. And I think what you all have just covered off on is spot on. But I think we're going to sit here in two, three hours' time. We're going to know a lot more about both teams. I think the Tigers last month has obviously been a lot better. And you look at some of their raw numbers and their style of football, that's been more like their DNA of when they were going really well. I'm not completely sold on them just yet, but this is a great challenge away from home. And from the Sydney Swans perspective, what we thought we knew of them after four weeks has been completely flipped on their head. But they need to respond. So we're going to find out what sort of footy club they are going up against a team that's been in good form of recent. Tonight's Swans game is brought to you by Bingley, Australian-owned family-owned for more than 65 years. Let's kick this around with the Chief Executive of the Swans, Tom Harley. Tom, great to have you on AFL Nation. Good evening, gents. How are you? Do you feel like this will give you a good gauge? It feels like the right game at the right time for both of you. Uh, I mean, it's, it's great to play in these sorts of games. I was just scrolling through some of the stats, and I think when you look at seventh and eighth, both with six wins, four losses, percentage of 120.4, it doesn't get much more even than that. Um and it's a you know a great opportunity to uh, to respond from a, another big game, which was last Friday's game, where we obviously fell short, particularly in the second quarter against Carlton. So um, these are the games uh, that you want to play in, um, and certainly looking forward to it tonight. What is your read on what your six and four represents, Tom? Yeah, I think um, you know we've, we've uh, when you're looking just the, the sheer wins and losses, we're we're one and three in the last month, and. You know, Brisbane are, are a really good side and Gold Coast played well. We didn't that particular game. I think the Carlton game, um, the second quarter, just uh, that wasn't up to our standard. We conceded nine goals. And um, I think over the journey of the season, we're actually third for quarters one. Um, but the quarters that we've lost have, have really swung the result of the game. So, um, you know, we need to find ways to shift momentum uh, within quarters. I think, you know, what, what's a really positive aspect of our team is we're very coachable. Um, and we we um, we can adjust uh, adjust um, to trends of the game when we get a chance to do that. But uh, we're still developing. Um, but at the same token, uh, you know, we want to get to where we want to get to, which is being right at the pointy end in a hurry. Um, and experiences uh, like tonight go a long way to, uh, to to finding out where we're at. Tom, you're not alone in that inability to stop the damage from the opposition when they do get momentum. As you've assessed the game last week against the Blues and probably the last month of football, is that a structural thing? Is this part of the the evolution of this group about identifying moments and situations in games to mm-hmm. wrestle back that control, or is it just players aren't up to it just yet? I think it's. I, I don't think it's players aren't up to it just yet, Dale. I think it's a, it's a combination of structure. It's a combination of experience. Um, and just that game sense, which, uh, like a lot of things, there's no substitute for time on the block. I say that often, and, and the experience of the, of the Carlton game in particular. I mean, that was red hot, and the Blues, to their credit, were, you know, their pressure rating for that particular quarter was 240. Now, that is that is off the charts, and they, they turned that into goals. So, um, you know, understanding um, as individuals what you need to do at that particular point in time in a contest, and then obviously as a group, understanding what you need to do. So, so 
structural individual experience i think it all goes into it but um the most important thing and the beauty about footy in all sport is uh um, outside of the grand final, there's always next week, and um, you've got a, we've got a chance to rectify it this week. Tom, I think I'm right in saying that the last time the Swans played on a Friday night, it was the Buddy 1000th game, and we were lucky enough to uh, be there to, to witness it live. It was just one of the most magical, exciting events I've seen at the SCG in my time there. Can, can I ask you, and again, we've got another really exciting game, Tigers with Dusty turning mm. up uh, and the Swans going you know, well enough, in fact, pretty well, should drag a pretty mm. good crowd. Is Friday night your preferred time slot? I think, like all clubs, Jared, um, yeah, it sounds a bit cliche, but a, but a balanced fixture. Um, you know, there's, 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 the, the, the Saturday twilight games are really good yep. one for our sort of younger younger families. But um, Friday night, particularly this game, Marn Grook, we we actually started uh, Marn Grook back in two thousand and two, and that was. Um, I think it was five years before dream time at the G. So we, we, we place a significant emphasis on this game and um, to play it uh, on the Friday night against a big, big opponent um, is, is a great opportunity for us as a club to showpiece um, uh, clearly our Indigenous and First Nations culture, but also us as a footy club. Um, every club loves playing on Friday night. And um, so I'm sitting in my office uh, before the, the chairman's function looking over Driver Avenue that you know well. Jared and uh, they're starting to stream in, Excellent. so it's a, it's a beautiful night up here in Sydney. So looking forward to it. So the Swans were brought were brought up on a uh, on a diet of Sunday afternoon footy. What <laughs> what's the what's the I guess the least liked slot for Sydney fans? Uh, look, I, I think we're 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 fortunate that we've got a pretty diverse fan base. Um, as I said, the Friday nights everyone wants to be a part of. Um, Saturday uh, Saturday twilight's been a really strong one, particularly through through winter when the, you know, the, the, the typically, I mean, this is so much rain, obviously, this year, but um, the milder winter in Sydney gives you an opportunity to spend your day, um, uh, kids' sport and some lunch, and then roll yeah. into the SCG, beautiful sunset over the member stand. Um, so we, 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 we'll play any time, anywhere, but I think um, if you had to sort of pick family-friendly Saturday twilight, um, for the fans, you know, the, the big blockbuster Friday night, Saturday night games are great. Tom, in regards to tonight's game, a big one tonight, clearly, and then you roll into the Ds next week at the MCG, and then you get an opportunity to have a mid-year break. Off the back of the inconsistency of probably the last month, what can you say that we're going to see, excuse me, necessarily from a Swans perspective? And and it has changed over years and gone to the days where it's just that hard-nosed in and under style. You've got some great ball use, but what's become, I guess, the non-negotiable from John Longmire and the group for this weekend to be able to respond? Yeah, look, I think it's um, I think footy, footy has evolved and teams have evolved and we've we've certainly evolved as a team. Um, but what what hasn't changed too much in in our club's view is just the DNA of what makes um, the really great teams and the teams that win finals and that's contested ball and pressure. And I don't have the exact number in front of us, but uh, but if you can win contested possession and the pressure rating, um, it goes a fair way to winning games. So that that's where it starts. And you know we've had some challenges. Um, uh, starting games, and to our credit, we've we've won a lot of games coming from behind. So we want to start well. Hear the slap of bodies at the start of the centre bounce. Oh. Um, get our hands on it. Embrace. Um, it's coach uh, and Tom. <laughs> I'm getting a bit fired up. There. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, I do. I do. I mean, as I guess as, a, as an administrator, I do love my footy, and and um, and uh, you know. I do get the uh, hairs on the back of the neck standing up on a, on a Friday night, so I'm looking forward to seeing a really strong contested effort. And yeah, we've got some good ball users and the like, but it comes off the back of really strong contest work. All right, uh, let's get down to business now, Tom. 
every fan that's listening here, in particular Swans and Richmond fans, want to know the answer to this. Now, mm-hmm. if you could get Dusty for free, you would take him. <laughs> it would appear as if we're going we're going through this same sort of uh, discussion that we had about Joe Danaher. I mean, I don't see under any circumstances, unless you get him for free, how... You I can... saw them having a coffee. Did the you? Other day. <laughs> yeah, when I was sitting... There's got to be a real estate agent oh, trying to flog him some property. He's probably already got two houses up there. But is there any way that, unless you get him for free, you can fit Dusty into the swans? Because I would have thought, it's unless you can almost guarantee, you know, an absolute bargain, which you're not going to get... You could compromise this sort of really good position you're in right now uh, as you build towards another flag. Yeah, I mean, and, and getting getting serious about that, we 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 are not involved um, in any of this commentary. We understand the media commentary around it. Um, there have been no conversations, whether um, internally or externally. Um, and to play the straightest of straight bats, um, as far as I understand, he's he's contracted to Richmond. So mm. from our from our point of view, it's 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 just not a story. So. Um, but at the same time, I, I can absolutely appreciate the the, the, the the fever around it. So would you, though, if he said, I want to come to Sydney, would you give up three first-rounders? I wouldn't have thought so. Would Jerry. you give up two first-rounders? He's contracted to Richmond. We're yeah. playing Richmond tonight. You are? Um, so, um, but you yeah, started no, the negotiations there, Tom, so that was your problem. <laughs> come on, Next question. <laughs> Have you started negotiations with Buddy? Um, with Lance, Lance, we've got a great relationship with Lance, clearly. Um, all things being equal, um, uh, player and club uh, want this to go on for as long as possible. So um, that's, all, that's all tracking well. The conversations are constant and ongoing, and, and we'll play them out behind closed doors again to play a pretty straight straight bat. So, um, you know, Lance has been, I think Lance's season this year has been really, really solid. He's, he's still very fit. Um, he's actually a bit leaner than he has been previously. So, um, yeah, we're n- nothing nothing to see here or there, but um, uh, all tracking well. Do you feel like he's got more than one year left in him or will he become a, a one-year-at-a-time player? Oh, to be honest, Jared, yeah, we haven't gone into that level of detail. I think it would be, um, let's focus on this week, let's let's focus on this year, let's focus on the year after that as opposed to anything beyond that. So, um, so not a 10-year uh, contract this time? <laughs> No, no, I don't think so. No, you're, you're in a cheeky mood, Jared, at the moment. <laughs> hutto, hutto, that's all hutto, Tom. <laughs> Can I ask you about Dylan Stevens? He's, um, yeah, he's a kid that you know couldn't have done any more in the preseason from all reports and played pretty yeah. well. In fact, he he was one of the best four or five on the ground, I reckon, against Geelong in round two, and yet he seems to yeah. have fallen out of the side again. Where where's he at? Yeah, he's played beforehand um, over at Lakeside. The- this afternoon, he, he got his hands on the footy again. Um, he got squeezed um, just through through the midfield after I think it was the Bulldogs game earlier in the year, and um, and then the team sort of kept kept going and going well. So he, he's he's been playing well in the reserves. He's obviously not in the team at the moment. Um, I don't think it's a it's a red flag for his um, I guess long term prospects mm. at, the, at the at the at the Swans, but um, uh, a few. Not so much few things to work on. He, he's still he's still developing that inside midfield craft as well. We know he can run. We know he can play on the wing. But uh, um, we're we're looking forward to uh, putting um, some more inside work into him uh, in the VFL at the moment. Tom, to be serious, then as an ex-player and now as a CEO, how how do you see Tasmania and ha- the future of the game in terms of expansion? Is it something that you 
endorsed and think the game can is capable of uh, of um, that you know, part of the future mm. successfully economically? Yeah, look, I, I reserve reserve our, reserve my judgment, reserve our judgment um, on the modelling of it. I think that's really important. Um, what I, what I will say, and this is a, a personal view, that um, I think you know, as a general principle, we support footy in Tasmania. Um, but uh, what that looks like, um, I'd, I'd need to be convinced a 19th team is the way to go. Um, but um, until we sort of see the model of that and whether that's um, the distribution uh, that the clubs receive from the AFL, whether it's to, to satisfy talent, is it a reduction in lists, um, what impact does it have on the, the future um, um, increases in the soft cap, um, all of those sorts of things I think need to be laid there before you can make a, make a, a full and frank view on it. But... Um, uh, as I say, I think as a general comment, would need to be convinced of expansion at this point in time. And how is the game going through through a Sydney lens? I know it's a very broad question, but how do you think yeah. it, it's going? Yeah, uh, look, I think I mean as a club, we're still we're still coming out of COVID. The two Sydney clubs got hit financially harder than any of the other clubs, as I understand it, through COVID. And um, part of that is um, uh, certainly our business model is predicated on bums on seats at the SCG, and so that revenue source was was turned off and, and, you know, we took the opportunity uh, or were forced to take the opportunity to, to recalibrate. Um, we're still coming through it. We're, we're down in club-generated revenue still around about that sort of 16 17%, so we're not quite back to where we were. Um, participation um, numbers, particularly through youth girls, is growing. Uh, we have this, with this really strange phenomenon up in Sydney with uh, the drop of rain, mm. all of the local grounds um, shut down, and I've got a seven-year-old and nine-year-old, and the seven-year-old's only played one game of footy this year, um, let alone train. So there are Same as South East Queensland. Here. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And there are, a few, there are a few idiosyncrasies to the development of the game up here in Sydney that unless you've been here, you don't really know. Um, but in saying that, we, we, um, we, we know the role that we play for the code um, in Sydney, and, and we think our future is extremely bright. So uh, we're we're looking forward to waving that flag uh, for the for the code in the future. Tom, we can't quite convince you on a 19th team in Tassie for the men's, but it must be really exciting where the club's out with some huge names being mentioned in the women's space. Is one of the new four teams that'll get started in a couple of weeks. How does that feel, and where's the club out in that situation? Yeah, Dale, I've, I've really enjoyed um, enjoyed uh, our build, if you like. I'm working very closely with our GN Kate Marnie and Scott Gowans, the coach, and um, bringing the season forward to August um, has presented some challenges and the delay in the CDA has certainly presented some challenges but um, we, we've announced, uh, we've announced um, uh, I think it's seven now um, AFLW experienced players Brooke Lachlan, the most recent um, former vice-captain of the Western Bulldogs and um, it's, it's just a, our club is going to be so much richer for, for having an AFLW team and um, you know, we'll play our first game. We're working through fixtures. We've got opportunities to play at North Sydney Oval. We may have opportunities to play at the SCG out of Henson Park. And uh, and I know our fans are absolutely um, uh, lining up to get involved. So uh, it's going to be a great great addition to the to the to the club. And and we look forward to being part of the competition. Tom, good to have you with us. Good luck for tonight. All the best, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Tom Harley is the chief executive of the Sydney Swans. The Hyundai Stario Load is the van that is big on safety and huge on space. It's the only commercial van to receive five-star rating and platinum awards for safety from ANCAP, available from 47990 Drive away for ABN holders. Take a tech drive today. So the the, the Frank the um, Dusty yeah. question, Jared. It, it, you have to run a whole series of hypotheticals. Mm. I don't know how real they are or not. 
say at the end of the year he wants to go and live in Sydney. Yep. How does it how does it happen? How does he play his football in Sydney if he wants to move there? Well, I was discussing this with uh, Richard Collis last night, to be honest, and, and I got a strong view that it doesn't happen at Sydney. Sydney Swans, it may, may, may happen at the Giants, but they've got a bigger problem with their salary cap. I mean, could Richmond end up paying, if Dusty wants to be paid what he's paid now, mm. could Richmond end up paying part of his salary? Yeah, but they'd have to pay so much of it. I mean, mm. I, I, just, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it's not only that. They're going to want two or three draft picks. I mean, the Swans are in a really – they're in an unbelievably good position where they – given where they were at two or three years ago where they looked like they are going to tip over. They've unearthed all these kids that have come through and they've, they've sort of graduated up a little bit ahead of time. They're not quite there at the present time. But you add another two or three years of, of good draft picks on top of those, then you're in a position to go and get Dusty. Whereas I think – you know, Dusty, look, it sounds fantastic, but I wouldn't be giving away Dusty for three first-round draft picks. No. I wouldn't be giving away Dusty if you have to spend $1.2 million on him. I mean, Buddy is probably going to be playing next year under the greatest salary cap reduction of all time, <laughs> yeah. from one4 down to maybe 500 But that's sort of only going to give them an opportunity to keep Chad Warner there and, you know, heaven help, uh, you know, all the other young kids that are coming through. So I just don't see how Dusty works in Sydney. I mean... He's got a long life ahead of him. I reckon he'll stay at Richmond, and if he wants to go to Sydney, he'll go up there. The only, so just say one other thing. Buddy went up there for anonymity as well, and I reckon Buddy was on the front page of the paper up there about five times, and I remember um, he was at the races one day, and there was a big stink on about it. So there's no anonymity up there for Dusty. I mean, it's, it's, he's, he transcends the sport. He's, uh, he's a big name around the country, and anonymity, I think, is a bit of a myth. So in your scenario, Hutto, is Richmond would have to get chronic overs on the trade they to would, absorb to make some work. of the money. So yeah. again, there's no logic in that really, yeah. is there? So for... it could, that Not can't for mine, anyway. the Swans. You could sit down and work through the Giants yeah. because they have the the glut of, of young talent and picks, and they probably they're oversupplied in some ways. Yeah, but they could do a deal with, say, Hopper, uh, two picks, and maybe maybe half the pay, but they're tight in the cap. I mean, the only reason they're getting Hopper is because they're tight in the cap. That's if he loses. Yeah, I posed the question with the Giants as well. So I'd say they've gone unders this year in regards to expectation, the way that they've delivered. But I see Dusty. So let's just take out of it for the moment that he might have. But if you're the Giants, he's the cream on the top yeah. that takes you from somewhere around the mark to hey. Let's pay overs or let's pay a big bang and let's just launch. Let's oh, chips in. Dusty's when you're going chips in. Sydney Swans are slightly different because of their evolution. They could be right around the mark in 12, 24, mm. 60, you know, whatever the months are. Unless you're going for partly for the off field. So that's a completely different a story. Then there's a marketing piece in there as well, um, Hutto. So I see Dusty not ready for the Giants just yet on field. That doesn't quite make sense to me just yet from what we've seen this year. Do you reckon Dusty has got the capacity, though, to produce a crowd where no crowds have turned up before. I mean, they had 5,000 people there the other day. Yeah. I mean, what's what's Dusty worth as far as a crowd? If Even if it's 5,000 people, that takes it to 10. You asked the question of Tom Harley, how are we tracking in Sydney? Well, I think it's still a big issue, the fact that there's there's empty stadiums most of the time the Giants are playing. I, I mean, I, if a big Melbourne club are playing out there, it looks okay because maybe five or 6,000 people travel, Adelaide people travel, and it makes it okay because it's a 20,000-seat stadium. But 
you know, it's it's a great disappointment to me that we're what are we ten years in now into the Giants, maybe more, and we're not, you know, we're not getting fifty percent full house. Did you really think we would be? be I was hoping so. Ground, yeah. ground, right? I was hoping so, given that they're you know that they've been pretty entertaining over the journey. They're probably less entertaining than they could have been, but uh, giving the tsunami away wasn't one of my favourite no. ideas. But um, you know, they won a grand final t- two or three years ago. That, 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 yeah, in a grand final. Yeah, yeah. So I'm disappointed that footy, I don't think, is as healthy as some people would like to think. It, participation rates down the bottom, you know, they can be inflated because, you know, Auskick numbers, I think, are yeah. a little bit uh, fanciful. If you look at how many A-grade talents we're getting out of the biggest, most populous city in the in the world, uh, in Australia, it's no more than it was when I was up there. We are still getting nowhere near enough A-grade talent out of New South Wales. I think last Friday, I didn't look into this, but I heard someone say that the Friday night figures were really good in Sydney last Friday night when the Swans played. But As in TV. As in TV. Yeah. Better than the Iron Chef, than, as, I, as I quoted the other day. But it's a, but it's a, yeah, it's a really good question. It's, why I, you know, it's, it's probably a discussion for another time, but just how much is it, how much is it in both the, we're talking about, it's relevant because of Tasmania. I mean, how much have we actually, mm. what have we actually achieved in the last two expansion areas? Well, we've got no crowds. I mean, let's, Call a spade a spade. We've got no crowds on the Gold Coast and we've got no crowds in GWS. They've got members, but they haven't got crowds. And, you know, we're a, we're a sport that has always prided ourselves on crowds. And we, uh, you know, it, it's one of the great tragedies that we couldn't find a way to make the North Melbourne Gold Coast work because the best formula is when a relocated club goes to a growth area because you then get crowds in Melbourne and you get crowds in the new area. So is Dusty worth anything at the turnstiles? Oh, he's absolutely worth something, but but how much? Yeah, enough to make the vault to what you're talking about? Probably not. Not for mine, no. Yeah. Do you think he is, Jared? Uh, no. No, I don't think he would. Is uh, he as attractive as a, as a Franklin or not? No, I don't think he is. And he certainly not to Sydney. He's a true great. Because they've got, they got Franklin. Yeah. And will do probably for a couple more yeah. years. Our Friday night AFL Nation, the pregame for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Beaumont Tiles, hybrid flooring in store now. Friday night footy from the SCG, the Sydney Swans and Richmond AFL Nation is for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nick Del Santo with you. Uh, we're, uh, what are we, an hour and 20 minutes away from the opening siren. So plenty of time to, to work through the issues of the week and then set you up for what's to come tonight. Uh, well, it's been a week for former North Melbourne greats, hasn't it? So we're in the company of, Where of is greatness. He? Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> David King joins us. <laughs> Nick Del Sado, what have you made of the, the events oh, of the week at one of your old clubs? A lot. I did have a couple of messages today when uh, it was read in the Herald Sun that um, Ben has asked for past greats to come back that have been critical. I said, well, it's clearly not me, so I don't <laughs> want any help from my end. Uh, there's so much to dissect through this, and I'm sure we, we've all spoken about it. I've been asked um, constantly and consistently about my experiences there. So the first bit I'll say, and I think we might have touched on this when Brad Scott was finishing up and some of the stories that were coming out of the football club is 
So, so my initial take on this, the stories that I'm hearing now, and I was there five or six years ago, are so foreign to my experiences at the at the Kangas. I loved my time there. The people, um, majority of them being players, have moved on. So I'm hearing these stories. I'm reading the papers today. I can't relate directly to nearly anything that's currently happening because my experience was so different. I loved my time. We played finals. Three years that I was there, a couple of prelims. So it's a different experience. Um, I'm still disappointed by the flow on of events, and we can go about this multiple ways, but I'm, I'm happy to share this story publicly. So um, I was one of the four players that was asked to move on, and hand on heart, I actually thought it was the right thing for the football club. The hard bit was it meant that my football career was over, but in the cold light of day and the way that Brad Scott told me, I said, you know what, it hurts, but you're right. You know, this is what the club needs. We need to move past the older guys and find this new group coming through. Um, I don't have a, a, a disappointment in regards to that I didn't get to play on more, but I've been disappointed about the decisions from a list, the players that are currently playing and have been for the last five or six years. They made the right decision and then have made multiple wrong decisions to sit here right now, round 10, and hearing the stories that we've heard consistently um, for a period of time. So that's my initial take on it. Um, Really brave move, and I was the small piece in that puzzle. When you're speaking about Brent Harvey moving on, club legend, Drew Petrie, Michael Fredo, I was right down the end. I was the package deal that had to be moved on. You couldn't get rid of those guys and keep me, which I agree with. Um, So it's the two and a half years of chronic indecision when they couldn't work out whether they would go full-blown rebuild. Mm -hmm. Then they rejected that, and then they realized, oh, we made a mistake rejecting that. Snapped to, we are in rebuild. So you sit here right now. I think the way that it's been managed publicly over the last two to three days has been inconsistent as well. The messaging hasn't been firm, and it hasn't been reassuring to all North Melbourne people. It hasn't been reassuring to players. Now, that's the other piece that we – like, we're having all these conversations outside of the football club, and rightly so. But everyone's doing it. Everyone's talking North Melbourne for one of the few times at the cafes. They want to know what's going on. They want to hear the inside story about Horn Francis and Noble and everything that goes with it. But the reality is if I'm a player right now and I'm being told, whether I'm a young player or an old player, I've got a little bit of self-preservation going on right now is how I'm feeling. Geez, I better get my backyard clean. I better make sure I get a heap of the footy this weekend so I'm not the one that they're speaking about. The conversation is swirling around about really poor list management. You have three list managers slash recruiters walking out because, rightly or wrongly, there's a lot of blame. And, and they're like, oh, gee, they must be talking about me because I've been drafted in the last four or five years. So it must be on me. Like I got drafted being you know the next generation coming through and now it's our fault that we're not coming through at the right pace. Now the complexity of that is when you're a struggling team, you need your good, you need your older players and senior players to be playing decent football. You don't have to be the player that you once were. You need to be playing decent football. They don't have that right now. So the domino effect is you're asking these younger players that are, should be nurtured, that should be playing 50 games before we even really know their name and how good they are. They're being thrown in the deep end. They're being asked to swim before they've gone to swimming lessons. So that's the complexity of this mix that we're seeing right now. And as a result, you get uh, fluctuations in effort. You get fluctuations definitely in outcome, and we get this inconsistency in everything that we're hearing in the last three to four days. But these stories have been going around for a couple of weeks. Um, I think they could nip it a little bit harder than what they've done this week. What well, do you- there's, well, there's so many threats to yeah. it, isn't there? I mean, there's the, the, the whole situation about the stories. I think that's a good place to start in a way. The stories that have come out of the club – a number of those things have been made public. We've all probably heard other stuff as well. That That's a concern. And Ben Amafio explained this morning, as that can just be innocent, that can be somebody just talking to their partner and eventually it gets out. But I think that's a major – and it happens often when you've got a lo- in a losing situation. But they need to 
and you talked about their messaging. I think they got there today when he said, oh, we're not quite, we thought we'd be further ahead. It, they, at the start, they tried to say everything's okay, and clearly it's not. Um, but they've, they've got to that position where they thought they'd like to be further ahead. But from, from here on in, can, can they have a consistent message and can they, can, we, um, can they shut down the leaking and the various stories um, because they're trying to say they're unified and we're roughly on track, but it, it's not playing out that way at the moment, is it? Well, it doesn't look like it to me. I mean, ultimately, I think uh, you don't have to be Brian Freddie to see that they're nowhere near where they would hope to have been. If you're, They're going the Brisbane model. They're five games behind Brisbane well, four games behind them this year at the end of the season, and they don't look like winning another game unless they play the Eagles at the present time. They've cut, they haven't cut too hard in some respects, but they have cut too hard if you factor in what the senior group have been able to to deliver. So they've been exposed really badly. But I mean, if we go back to the, where this all started, I think it was Kane. I, 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 tell me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he said, "Don't blame the coach. Blame the recruiting staff in particular." Glenn Luff, but I'm asking blame him for what? Because uh, I mean, ultimately, the the coach is responsible for the on-field performance, and um, you know, I don't think any club could hang their hat on their recruits that are two years old. You you cannot possibly say. No. I mean, you look at Essendon right now. Last year, their first year players were unbelievable. This year, they're poor, and they're in the bottom of the ladder. So you know. But that doesn't mean they're not really good recruits. Now, you know, if, if Campbell was there and uh, Will Phillips was there, well, you know, you may take him and you may take that. But there was a collective decision made to build from within and then uh, put the, the bigs outside. They've got another kid called Charlie Combin that's a tall that's supposed to be in that role and yet he's not being played. So I'm not sure where the future is there. But, you know, I, I, I think it's crazy to be even talking about the kids given the exposure, is two years. So that's my starting point. Kids are nothing. You know, forget them. They're coming through. They may, may or may not be good enough. I can remember going back when James Brayshaw took over and there was a, there was a draft and there was Cunnington and there was Jack Zebel. And he said, we'll never know how good this club is going to be until we know how good those guys are. And that was, you know, I think he gave them eight years. Well, we're two years into that eight years. So they didn't prove to be collectively good enough with the people around them, and we're not going to know about the kids that North Melbourne have drafted. I think they protested a little bit too much as well. You don't have three people walk out. I mean, Mark Finnegan's an amazing North Melbourne man. We haven't heard from Mark Finnegan. So the silence there tells me that not everything's hunky-dory, and that's okay in footy clubs, but just don't tell us that it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not everything is smooth sailing. No. I think that the idea of trying to portray a happy and united yeah. footy club where nothing's happened that wasn't expected on the week where you locked the critical mass in your recruiting department was that that's that's patently stupid. Yeah, it was. Um, so what, to try to use that as your front line of defence rather than address. So what what happened? Why why have those recruit? We we happy for those recruiters to leave? Is, so are you second guessing? Never mind what's happening outside. Yeah. Have you been second guessing what they're doing? Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like that's probably the open. That, that's the one part that hasn't fully been addressed. I think it was so refutable. If you chose to engage with the commentary, it was incredibly refutable. Mm. On Tuesday morning, say, to personally denigrate a person in that manner is just wrong. Mm. And all of the work that goes on is not on a laptop. But we value analytics along with 
an experienced recruiter's eye. And then I would challenge is well, you, you prove to me that McDonald's a better player than Phillips because I haven't seen it. Yeah, well, McDonald's been dropped four times. Five times, and he's playing in a much better side than Sydney. So there's, you know, there's a bit of the rub of the green. That, there so they, as well. they sort of combusted unnecessarily. Absolutely, they did, and and they just should have, I think, used it to grow and, and used it to to actually accept that there's some problems in that footy club with communication, and some problems where people obviously don't think they're valued and their fingers are being pointed, and and maybe out of this they'll they'll as a group, you know, from Benamafio through they'll realise that uh, they've got to do things better. So it'll be interesting now. Is, is I agree with you. It's hard to see them winning a game in this phase. Maybe they win on Sunday. Yep. If they do go another long stretch without a win, given how volatile it has been this yep. week, is you know how much do you endure? People keep talking about rebuilds and going, ah, oh, Melbourne and Carlton. Yep. Go, well, take me to the Mark Neal years yep. at yeah. Melbourne. So that the risk is that these are the Mark Neal years yep. at North Melbourne. Yes, and there's been plenty of people suggest that uh, the there's there's an equivalent there. So, you know, they should be learning from that. They're, they've they've employed Ruzi, but Ruzi's overseas, so that's not helping. I think they've got his offsider there. Is it Jared Murphy? Yep. So I'm not sure what role they actually play in this, but uh, they, they we haven't got, you know, we've got so many young kids whose careers are at this stage. They are they're they're actually now relying upon North Melbourne getting it right. We're also going to get to the end of this season. And we're going to get a window into the truth that we've just been told, the yep. North Melbourne truth. And if Zerhar decides to move on, well, we're going to say, mm, question mark. If two or three other players whose names have been uh, mentioned to me today, they also try to get out, well, I think we're going to get a much better insight into what really is going on, that people aren't happy. What about the Horn Francis situation then? Which part of it? Because there's a couple of pieces within that as well. That they're heading home. Communication. No, not that. More. What happens if he doesn't resign and it gets? What level do that? What should North's attitude be to him in terms of the an offer and the, the future? How desperately do they need him to stay? Not just for on field, but for that look of an attractive place. Well, to keep to in mind, to. twelve months ago they had Godfather offers from clubs in South Australia to give them everything that they wanted, so those clubs, being Adelaide, could have Horn, Horn Francis. If he was to go back, you're getting something significant in return. Now his start to his football career, I think, has been serviceable. I think he's been ultra competitive, and you see a lot of things in him that you want from a young player. You know, I think consistency in effort. Now, clearly internally, they want more, but. I just touched on before about, you know, so Ben Cunnington is a huge piece. I think we quickly forget the significance that he is around a clearance and that way it allows other people to do different roles at a stoppage, for example. With him not there, you're asking guys that aren't at that A-grade inside midfield role to do it. Um, If Horn Francis is to go home, clearly, and this is a little bit like the conversation north, is it great? Absolutely not. Does it look bad? Yeah, it does. Absolutely it does because you've only had him for – six months at this stage and already there's rumblings about him not being happy and comfortable and other stories about what's going on internally. But the facts are, Hutto, in hindsight, we'll probably know more, but Kangas will have to get something in return for him to head back to South Australia if that is the case. The other one that I... But it does say that we're rebuilding phase two. Correct. The, The other bit that I find amusing at times is the contradictory that we're speaking about the playing group not being good enough, but then we're saying it's the coach. Now, how can we fairly assess David Noble given the personnel that's on the park? Now, they've got the Saints on Sunday afternoon. The Saints are a good team, maybe really good at the moment, but they're not the very best. But if you just isolated every single matchup on the ground, 
and these 18, and we'll even include the four on the bench, how many can you honestly say just on pure ability and form that they could win out of that 22? Now, if you can't do that, then your system has to hold up. You've got to, you've got to balance out the individual brilliance or the inability of that in a system, and neither of them are working for, for North Melbourne at the moment for multiple reasons once again. But it's, it's hard to say, well, that's David Noble's fault. Because once again, these kids aren't at that level just yet to be able to execute for four quarters what the game demands. The irony is they're coming off their best performance of the year, probably, mm. and, and that, that against Melbourne, and they did it with you know half a dozen or two or three of their better players mm. not in the side. And I thought clearly changed the way they, they play. They did. They now going more boundary and stopped uh, whacking yeah. the ball in the middle, a bit like Richmond tonight. They've been uh, they were the architects of going corridor now because their defence is struggling a bit. They're going more corridor. So. Footy clubs are an interesting place. Yeah, they shouldn't have been in the conversation no. at all this week as they got out with a commendable performance against the benchmark and yet they have, through their own deeds, I think, spent the week at the forefront And the, and the, the offer to Glenn that um, Benamafio made saying he can come back, we've offered him. I mean, what if I was Ben, I'd be concerned about my ability to read the play and know what's going on in my footy club. If there's a bloke that unhappy, he's about to walk out. You actually rate him, but you haven't told him until he's walked out. I mean, that he needs to find out a little bit more about what's going on at the grassroots level of his staff so these things don't happen. AFL Nation will take your feedback across the weekend on the Southern Phone open line. Switch and save with Southern Phone mobile plans. Tonight's Swans game is brought to you by Bingley, Australian-owned, Australian-family-owned for more than 65 years. A sports news update for Rolled. Eat good with Rolled. It's fast, fresh Vietnamese. The Golden State Warriors are into the NBA Championship Series with a 4-1 conference final series win over Dallas. The Warriors won today's Game 5 120-110 with Clay Thompson scoring a game-high 32 points. They'll play the winner of the Boston Celtics-Miami Heat Series, which Boston leads 3-2 going into tomorrow's Game 6. Australia's Jai Hindley remains a mere three seconds off the lead in the Giro d'Italia going into the final three stages of the Cycling Grand Tour. He survived a late scare in a flat stage last night suffering a punctured tyre in the final kilometres, but it was close enough to the finish that he was given the same finishing time as the peloton. The race finishes with two mountain stages, then an individual time trial on stage 21 to decide the pink jersey. That's the latest in sport. I'm April Austin. Eat good with rolled. It's fast, fresh, Vietnamese. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Beaumont Tiles, hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Friday night footy, the Sydney Swans and Richmond AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Um, the other sort of major talking points of the week we can work through. So Sam Fisher and the the Players Association and how they care for uh, former players... Um, I'm sort of more on the end of the way this discussion has developed, but I'm not a former player. So, Jared, how have you seen the flow of the week on that front? I thought the finish of the week was probably where I would have started, and that was with Craig Kelly saying it's time that uh, guys of his age have had a lot of education and have had a lot of opportunities start to uh, take responsibility for their position. I mean, this guy is being done for drug trafficking. There's a lot of people out there that are going to 
suffer because of that. And I don't have anywhere near as much sympathy for his position as I would for a 22-year-old or a 24-year-old who, I mean, this is a series of bad decisions by Sam. And as much as I like Sam, I don't like what he's done. And uh, I think it's easy to be blaming others. And there's only one person responsible, and it's him. He didn't fit the profile of a player who might, quote, fall through the cracks, unquote. I just think this is the wrong case study mm. to try to build that around. You know, I've worked with the Players Association in, um, in, in a space where for a long, long time they've had a... Um, a fund for former players that have fallen on hard times. And they do a lot of good work in that area. Um, and that's not to say there can't be better education, but players would be better educated now than at any other stage of, of, of football's history and get much more education than probably 99% of the population. He's a former teammate of yours, Nick. Yeah, well, I'll start with this. I sat next to Sam Fisher for nearly 12 years, 25 and 26, all next to each other, um, to say, and there's been mixed conversations, and Nick Rewalt's been on the record. Nick Rewalt was the captain and has been asked some hard questions. I was unaware that it, it, it what I can promise you, it wasn't anything like we're discussing right now in regards to Sam's life. Did we know that he partied? Absolutely. Was he alone? No, he wasn't. Did he train his backside off every day for 12 years? Yeah, he did. Two-time best and fairest winner, All-Australian, and everything that went with it. Does that mean that he's immune to what society's going through? No, it doesn't. And I'm a little bit different to Rue, to Nick Rewold, in regards to what he expects from the AFLPA. My understanding when I was a player of the PA is they provide a lot of services in all aspects of life, in everything that you want. It is your responsibility as an individual. You've got family education. You've got friends. You've got management that have a lot of resources as well. And then you also have the AFLPA, the union, to support you in anything that you need. But it's up to you to go and source it. And I don't like the conversation around the notion that you have to be forced to do things. Sam had the same opportunity. And I I loved Sam as a teammate. He is a fantastic person. Is he making some bad choices? Yeah, it sounds like he has. I haven't had a lot of contact with him because we've lived different lives for probably the last five or so years. He's part of a small group that we try and catch up for dinner sporadically, but but he's not part of my close, close mates that, I, that I'd see regularly. But he had every opportunity, like we all did, to make choices. Now, he's made some different ones for different reasons, but I don't think it is the AFLPA's responsibility to cover or to do more, even in, in the prevention area, than what they were providing right then. Was he doing things that probably weren't professional football? Yeah, probably. Yeah, and I can't give you detail on it because I simply don't know. But I don't think it's someone else's responsibility as as far as what we're suggesting. There's not many other businesses in the world that support someone six years after they've finished football yeah. as well. Like that's that's unique and it's a brilliant thing that the PA have for past players. But I think it has to, st- it has to stop at some point as well where it just a person says, you know what, I'm an adult and I'm making some decisions. Yeah, F- Fisher's story is not a football story. No. Oh, that, that was the bit that confused me. Oh, well, I think those who portrayed it that way got confused. Mm. Just because he's a footballer doesn't make this a football issue no. in any way. I, I think we're fortunate that there is a past players union. You yeah. know, as an alumni program, I, I feel fortunate that there's, you know, money put aside for for different reasons. You still have resources with education and a lot of other welfare areas that, that that's pretty unique. There's not many businesses that are supporting people that far post-football. I'm not a fan of the view that AFL players are a subset of society. I, I no. think I think once you sign up to be a player, an AFL player, and this was per, per, uh, portrayed by Paul Marsh, 
I don't agree with that perspective. Once you sign up for this, it's like a, a pilot. You don't drink before you fly. And I don't think you party, or if that's language for take drugs, in the off-season. Because that's not what an athlete does, a professional athlete. And if that is the accepted norm, that once you get off uh, the, the, the constrictions of, a, of a, a club environment, you get on it, well, that's got to change. Because you're not a subset of society that can do it. You are an AFL athlete, and you don't know what you're sticking in your body, and it could cost your club your spot in the list. Tonight's Swans game is brought to you by Bingley, Australian family-owned for more than 65 years. The pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring installed. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Beaumont Tiles, hybrid flooring in-store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation. For Beaumont Tiles, hybrid flooring in-store now. Friday night footy on AFL Nation for Sports Power, your local footy experts. Um, we're just uh, having a look at teams as they, they start to come through. So Nick Blakey's out of the Swans mm. side um, tonight. Which would almost be enough to make me change my tip. I, I, I was staggered that the bookies had the Swans at $1.50. And two fifty for the Tigers. Now that Blakey's out, gee, if you can still get two fifty, we're not allowed to say this, but I'd get on. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got in Fox Reed Roberts is making his debut in row bottom out Bell Blakey Hickey and Kennedy, and then Noah Cumberland's making his debut for the Tigers. Jack Graham, Hugo Rell Smith are the three ends, and Jake Arts, Kane Lambert, and Tom Lynch are the uh, are the three outs. Yeah, so Cumberland makes his debut. I'm just waiting to see what the medical subs are. But anyway, that's how that's how it looks. How do you think they're going to uh, shape their forward line, Del? Given Tom, that Tom Lynch is not there. Well, I think they're creative. And the Bolton forward, the Dustin Martin isolation. So maybe we'll see less of him starting at centre square bounces and drifting yep. forward at his own will. We quickly forget how creative this forward line is. Yep. I think Bolton has been Dusty when Dusty isn't there. But if you get both of them, one's always forward and is a huge threat. Do you want to ask Adam Kingsley? Indeed. Adam <laughs> Kingsley's with us on AFL Nation. Welcome, Adam. Welcome. Thank you. Go Thanks, on, guys. Go on, Jared. Go. So we're just looking at ways that uh, you can replace Tom Lynch. I guess you can have the, yep. the Ruckman rucking out of the goal square. You can uh, have Rewald standing and uh, having a mobile centre-half forward. How are you planning to do this, Adam? Yeah, we'll use Soldo as that, as that replacement okay. predominantly. Um, you know he'll be a, he'll be a pillar for us as will Jack. Um, hopefully it replaces Tom and get the same output that Tom's been able to give us over the last month, which has been pretty special. But uh, but you know we we're just asking Ivan to provide a real strong contest and let our smalls get to work. We, we've obviously got a pretty dangerous uh, forward line at ground level there with Dustin and Shea Bolton and Morris Rioli Jr. Uh, Jace Castagna. So if we can get the, guy, the the ball on the ground of those guys, then um, yeah, I think we give ourselves every chance. Who'd be leading your best and fairest right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. You know, Lynchy's obviously had a great season, as has Shea Bolton. It's mm. probably probably those two boys who are who have been the most consistent um, players across the course of the ten games that we've played so far. But uh, yeah, we've, we, we're really confident. We, we've had a lot of good contributors. We've shuffled the team around a little bit uh, over the last three weeks, just to try and find that balance of um, of where players best fit and. You know, Baker's gone back, Short's gone into the midfield, which has obviously been well uh, well documented. So, 
those moves have worked for us. But uh, you know, clearly we'll get a big challenge tonight from a from a good Sydney team. From a structural perspective, Adam, do we ever see or will we ever see Dusty and Bolton in the four line at the same time, or is it always one or the other, one up, one in the midfield? No, they'll play together in the forward line. Uh, it just sort of depends on on who's on the bench at that time, what the rotations look like, what the form of, of our players is at, at that moment, where we kind of need them. They're, they're kind of special players in both positions, both midfield and forward. And if we feel like we're not getting enough of it out of our forward line group, then we tend to shift one or both there. Same with our midfield. So, um, you know, they'll, they'll do centre bounce um, at, at times. You know, we typically like to have one or both in there uh, for most centre bounces, but then sort of drift forward and, and challenge the opposition in the, in the most dangerous part of the field. You wouldn't be uh, too upset to see that uh, Nick Blakey has pulled out with an injury. He seems to me to be one of their most important players. Yeah, that would be fair to say that. Uh, you know, he's a very good player. Uh, lethal with his with his left leg. and um, Yeah, he, he, he's obviously a really good out for us. Um, but, you know, having said that, Sydney, I think, probably personify that team effort and everyone playing their role and plug and play a little bit. You know, they'll bring they'll bring Fox in and, and he'll just lock down and do his job. And But Blakey's attack and, and his ability to sort of open up the game for them is, is really important for them. And, um, you know, certainly certainly he'll be a big out for them. Adam, you've had a really good last month and you just mentioned about changing a few things personnel-wise and maybe just the way that you play the game generally. What yep. has been the difference? Why do we now speak externally about this starting to look like it did when things were going really well a couple of years ago? What have you identified? Yeah, look, the, the, the personnel is a, a small part of it. It's typically the way we play, the way we attack, the way we defend. I think I think we've been a little bit more upbeat with our, with our um, offensive temper. It's, it's a, we're playing a little bit faster. We're getting it into our forwards a little bit quicker. We probably we didn't have quite the right balance there in the first probably six games, I would say. Uh, we were just touched too slow, touched playing with the handbrake on a little bit. Um, so we've been able to find, uh, you know, obviously a, a good tempo with our offence. And our defence, you know, shuffling a couple of position players, possession game players, getting them back behind the ball uh, in positions where the ball is, you know, landing is really important. And Baker probably is the the one that typifies that the most. He's, he's um, you know, a really special player in, in a lot of positions and he's really good as a forward for us, but just to shore up our defence, he's been really important for us and, and last week was um, you know, really pleased defensively, probably our best defensive game for the season thus far, so yeah, it's been a combination of things as it always is, but, but right at this moment, um, it's clicking along nicely, And but understanding, you know, we're going to get challenged from, from teams each week, and Sydney's a, a good team, and um, you know, in the top eight, so so they're going to challenge us in different ways. Adam, the numbers from Champion tell us that you're uh, going boundary side uh, more often in your movement of the ball. Is that also to protect yeah. your back line? Oh, it's it's certainly not a um, you know a, a specific um, you know tactic to do that. Okay, it's probably oh, I don't know what the numbers have said in the past few years. It's probably something we we have done in the past. I, I presume you know we haven't really changed the direction we want to take the ball. Uh, we would ideally we want to get it from our back to our front as quickly as we can, and um, you know that, just getting back to that that method has, has certainly really helped us offensively, but but probably helps us defensively in the same way in that there's less numbers. We've probably got a few more players because we've moved the ball quickly. We've probably got a few more players behind the ball in a more defensive position, and 
um, you know, having having a little bit of saturation behind the ball always helps defence. Yeah, I've never been able to quite work out uh, when we see these numbers. I've never been able to work out is it because the opposition are simply blocking the corridor, so therefore you're taking the space that's given to you, or is it a structure uh, and a yeah. uh, and a um, a demand from the coach? So what you're saying is it's uh, you're just still getting the ball where the avenues are if the space is there. Take yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're just playing the game, really. I mean, that's as simple as it is. Offensively, you have a couple of uh, principles that you want to do, but every team goes into the game wanting to protect the corridor because we know it's the most dangerous part to get the ball, and, and if you get the ball in the corridor, you score more efficiently. And um, So, you know, we're no different to any other team. We want to protect the corridor and force teams wide, but um, you, you play the game as you see it. If there's an open corridor, you're going to take it. If it's, if it's closed, you're going to play wide. It, it's, you know, it's... it's taking the best option at the time, really. Adam, for multiple reasons, your defence has looked a lot better in the last month or so, but one player in particular I'm interested in is Robbie Tarrant. What's your take yep. on him? And He's been in and out a little bit. I know he had an injury going back a month or so. What, what's your initial take on him defensively? Oh, I think he's been pretty strong for us, to be fair. Um, you know, he had a bit of a hip complaint that, that he played with, certainly against the Adelaide game, leading into the Melbourne game, and we decided, well... Perhaps it, um, you know, the way he's going, you know, we need to just give him a spell. And then Noah Bolter came in. We were pretty happy with that defence. So it meant that, that Robbie didn't get automatically back in, which is, that, that's fine. Um, so he played a couple of BFL games, played quite well, and then came back in last week against the Bombers and was particularly good. I thought he was, I thought he was outstanding, to be fair. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a really good defender, really clever, um, and, and has the ability to play on sort of the big monsters, but also those leading types. So he's going to be important for us moving forward. We, we were never in doubt of that. It just, um, you know, a couple of weeks out with a, with a bit of a hip and then try and play your way back in, given, given that we had Noah Bolter and decided to shift him back. So Who plays on look, Buddy? Big, um, yeah, well, he's going to have a big challenge tonight. He'll, he'll play. Well, Logan McDonald's been in, in wonderful form for mine. You know, his ability to lead and come at the ball and market, but also take that big contested mark. So Robbie will likely start on, on McDonald. And I reckon uh, I reckon Gibkiss will have a bit of Franklin um, throughout the night too, which is going to be really exciting yeah. for us. And I've you know, been really pleased with him and, and certainly very confident to back him in to play. Probably on one of the best forwards ever. But, uh, but you know, Josh has that, that real inner belief that he can play on these sort of guys and he wants to do it quickly. Um, so we'll give him a chance tonight at the very beginning. But it kind of also depends on where they all play too. You know, if he's deep and McDonald's all the way up the ground, well, typically we prefer Robbie to play as the deepest um, because he's a little bit, um, he's done it for a long while and he's a little bit more experienced in that. But uh, yeah, we'll just see where they sort of tend to play before we kind of decide who's who's on who. How close is Dusty to his best right now, given he had the, the time off? Oh, look, he's in uh, very good form. I don't know about his best. He's probably not playing his absolute best, but um, but he's still very, very service, serviceable. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he saves his best for grand finals. That's exactly what I was about to say. He tends to play his best grand final day. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can get there and, and we see his best. But, uh, oh, look, he's been great for us, uh, obviously. You know, he's um, you know, played midfield, played forward, has an impact um, in the air, on the ground. Difficult matchup for them. Uh, probably Rampy plays on him predominantly when he's forward, so that'll be that'll be a really good battle, I think. Given all the um, the, the, the moves you've had to make because of injury, and the, and the, then the proactive moves you've made, changing position, do you do you need to get to a point soon where you you settle the team down? 
Oh, I think we're pretty settled. You know, we've made some changes, but we've left them in uh, in those positions. And I think that's a real strength of Damien's um, as, a, as a coach in that if, if it's not working, well, let's shuffle the team and try and position players where they're going to su- succeed. And, um, you know, we've been able to do that and, and hopefully that can continue tonight and beyond. But... Um, you know, we're we're pretty settled at the moment, and then it's um and then it's a matter of well, okay, well this player's not touching it, or he's, he's not in great form. He's an important player to us. How can we get him back in form? Where can we position him? And as I said, it's a real strength of Damien's to be able to do that. I see Marlon Pickett's a, a late out, so Adam, he's yeah. going to miss both rounds of yeah. uh, of Sir Doug Nichols round and this jumper. So the first one was desperately well, not well. That was the tribunals doing this time. What's gone yeah. wrong? Yeah, he's got a he, he just got a migraine today oh. um, around lunchtime, and it, it's it's pretty bad. And the doc was obviously spending a fair bit of time with him, and ultimately had to rule him out. He, he wasn't fit to perform, so you know he, him and Jess and his family designed the jumper. Um, he was obviously super keen to wear it, um, you know, and, and we wanted him to wear it as as, as much as we, that's why we challenged last week. Really, obviously, with the tribunal, and then yeah, it's just terrible luck. But you know that that's. Well, away footy is at times it's just not fair, but we move on and uh, we'll do our best for him. Adam, thanks for your time. Good luck. No worries. Thank you, guys. Adam Kingsley with us, Richmond senior assistant. The Hyundai Staria load is the van that is big on space and huge on safety. It's the only commercial van to receive five star rating and platinum awards for safety from ANCAP. Available from 47,990. Drive away for ABN holders. Take a tech drive today. So the, the late outs are Blakey replaced by O'Riordan and Pickett replaced by Ralph Smith. And the subs now are Robbie Fox, who wasn't originally in your uh, extent in your um, in your selected emergencies and Noah Cumberland who's going to make his debut as a sub. You'd reckon if that's the case and Fox wasn't there, the Blakey injury must have uh, come late in the week, even mm. after selection. Actually, mm. he, he may be crook. I think he's crook. Yeah, flu. Okay. Yep. Tonight's Swans game is brought to you by Bingley, Australian family-owned for more than 65 years. More with Jared Healy and Nick Del Santo on AFL Nation, the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest big brand footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Sydney and Richmond ahead of us. A little bit of old bull, young bull before we get to the current matters at hand. Full of bull. Yes, please. (laughs) Generationally divided, right? What was the right number of free kicks, Jared Healy, in your day? I reckon it was somewhere about uh, 60 to 70. Yep. And uh, Lee Matthews during the week reminded us all that uh, one of the greatest grand finals, the 73 grand final, where there was, oh, it was 25 to 28 goals or thereabouts, at 85 free kicks. It was it, – it, I don't have a problem with the number. When people say, oh, there was 43 free kicks, there's there too much whistle. I don't see that. I, I just – if the, the free kick's there, it's fine. And the one thing about free kicks is it gets the game going. So I haven't got a problem with the number. In fact, I think we pay too few free kicks. 
I'm the opposite. I think we've got to take off about 10% as we currently stand. So we're in the from mid, what? F- on the mid-40s, are we right we're now? We're at 44, 44. Up 38 last yeah, I'm year. I'm saying, I'll, I'll say about 38. Off the top of my head, without saying this. How can you say that, though? Because, yeah. you, you, because don't, I, you, don't, I think, you don't know how the game unfolds. Well, that's what I was going to say. Given the situation, if the free kicks are there and they're obvious and that's an absurd number, then it has to be that. But I'm just going to say, on an average, I think... We're already getting f- far too much of the ticky touchwood stuff. I say let the let the grey go. But we if know that it, it, it works as a revolving interpretation, doesn't it? Because you set a margin and then the teams push it and push it and then it get, then it gets reset and we go back. We go around. Well, if we around always find roughly the number forty, then I'm okay with that. Yeah, but you say ticky touchwoods. I look at there's ten free kicks not paid for pushing the backs yeah, but alone. That's, that's I agree for in the back, but for this incidental little yeah. holding and I so forth. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Imagine the game if we were having eighty a game right now. I can imagine I played in those games. No problem. But, but the game's completely changed to what we're saying. But you're saying yeah, right it's now more congested, you, so there's more saw, body contact. If we sat here for the next two hours. And there's 80 whistles, free kicks, 40 each way. You're perfectly okay with that. You stand with it as well now. Don't forget. Oh, gosh, I'm perfect as long as the free kicks are there. I've got a problem. Oh, clearly, if the free kick, if there's 80 pushes in the back, then we're paying 80. But just on raw numbers, and we're just going to generalise everything. We can't have 80 whistles tonight. Well, I played in games where there were 80 free kicks, and it didn't worry me. What was so was the. Uh, so the the observation out of last Sunday, which I actually think was one of the best games of the year yeah. for what it's worth, the Lions and Hawthorne, was it was too intrusive at 63. Now, it, it wasn't played in a different manner, so the whistle was blown yeah. as it hadn't been the rest of the weekend. So when it was around the... Would you say the 60 to 70 range, mm. was, it, um, was it disruptive to no. the game? No, it was normal. Absolutely normal. It got out to 100 at one stage. Bill Deller, I think, was the first one to bring it back. And, and then they went over the top and said, I remember writing an article about this. One of the umpires told me that the, um, the directive is only pay the free kicks that the granny and the grandstand can see. The trouble with that these days is that the, we can see more than the granny because we see the free kicks from the TV that's, that's right up close. So I don't think there's a perfect number, but uh, if Dell's is 40 and mine's 60, 50 sounds about right. <laughs> It, it does feel like in those days it was just whistle, everyone, and then it just, everyone just got on with it. Whereas it, maybe because it's more analysed now, but some of the uh, the nature of some of those free kicks last week, and then all the delays around. The, no, no one's no one's arguing for those nonsensical free kicks. No. That said, I spoke to somebody inside this week who said those free kicks were paid because they had a lecture a couple of weeks ago that one punch leads to two punches, leads to three punches. So if you see a punch, pay a free kick. So the young umpires think, you know, I want to get up to a grand final here. I'm going to, if he says pay a free kick for a punch, I'm going to pay a free kick because otherwise I'm in trouble. I do think, and this is a bigger, I've always felt that the how the umpires are analysed and how they are assessed makes a really big difference to, right. to what, of course. We, what we see. But I'm with Jared. If there's 80 free kicks tonight that are obvious, then the number's 80 tonight. I'm okay with that. I just think we can reduce the, the areas of grey. And I don't believe that if their free kick is paid, it actually opens up the game. It actually gives people more time to get behind the football where we actually have slower passages of play. Professional free kick. Should we be wedded to 50 metres as a penalty? Should we, is that the right distance? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah? Yeah. Even if it's just a marginal infraction. Yep. Well, I don't like the moving of a foot on the mark costs you 50 just as a blatant rule. But if the number is... But that's the problem with the rule. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I actually don't like the rule that, that that's a sacrifice of 50 metres because you no, lift one it's a problem with the peg. penalty as well. That's not just a problem with the rule because the penalty, at the moment, one penalty fits all crimes. Mm. You don't want a, you want a sliding scale? 
Oh, exactly. Yeah, that's worth 37. <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, Jared, why you thought it was the best game of the year, but you didn't like the free kicks. No, no, maybe, I, maybe the... I didn't have an issue with okay. the free kicks. Right. So I thought that the blow-up the next day ignored the fact that the game prevailed. Brilliant, yeah. When you go back and look at it, I think there's a whole sequence of free kicks that aren't normally paid. Mm. That, and you say, I can get that to 50 straight away. Take out the 13 that aren't paid. Yep. And then you quibble over the rest as to whether it would have landed at 44 or whatever. But my point was, so the, the, the argument around the umpiring was we had dissent on Friday night in a brilliant game. And we had too many free kicks on Sunday in a brilliant game. Mm. And in both, the game prevailed. Yep. Um, but, the but there was Melbourne, an absolute Melbourne fixation game. around. Yeah, so I'm not saying the rest, but it yeah. felt like they were the two flashpoints, and in both instances, the game soared. Do you regardless. think we need to reset the scent? Um, it's hard to walk descent back. I, I think it can be. I think at the end of the year, not this year, but at the end of the year, we can go back to what it was. Like, descent. <laughs> descent into descent. Ah, that, I, the umpires have done that for us, bar one moment every now and then. Yeah. So I suspect on what you've just described is there's only one umpire who pays the Warner one in the moment that it happens and mm. everyone else is running past those. Yeah. I think I don't see I don't see the senior umpires paying silly decent mm. free kicks. But when you get one guy pay the Warner one because of the hands out and then the same umpire the next quarter at the other end of the ground ignores that, then you've got a problem. Yeah. Um Old bull, young bull. Collingwood Carlton. What what did Collingwood Carlton represent in your day, Jared? Oh, it was big. It was big. VFL days when I first started. Collingwood and Carlton. I mean, I can still remember the grand final. Final, Jezelenko, you beauty. Um, I mean, I was How only, old were you? I was ten. But right. you know, I reckon for the next four years in the uh, front yard of eighty Fraser Avenue, Etherfile, everyone was taking Jezelenkos. Yeah. I mean, Jezza was. You didn't take a high mark. You took a Jezelenko or a Jezza in those days. So. I mean, the expansion of that, we had, you know, we had an, they were just two big clubs. John Elliott was president of uh, Carlton, which made it, you know, even bigger because if they won, he was going to stick it up them. And they won a couple of close grand finals. Um, you know, his famous comment was, I think, uh, what's better than beating Collingwood by six goals, it's beating them by six points. Yeah, one Something point. along yeah. those lines. But, you know, they were big clubs and big games. And, uh, you know, at times you got jealous that you didn't play for those, those clubs because they had huge crowds. They filled the MCG and uh, they, were, they were really impressive units. doesn't have the same meaning to me. I think the crowds and the supporters have more of that hatred and that rivalry still in their bones there somewhere than the players do. I think the players have moved past it. Even try, though you try manufacturing, you speak about history and the competitive nature that they've gone through and some of the stories, I don't think the players feel that hatred anymore. Our travel partner for AFL Nation is Samsonite's Innovative Travel and Business Solutions. We're counting down to the Tigers and the Swans at the SCG, the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. They now have hybrid flooring in store. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.